Hello and welcome to this week's Dad for the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Paxton and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Join me the show this week. As ever, we've got Paul Whiteside. Right, Paul? A couple of weeks off. Uh, how have you been? Yeah, no, not too bad. Busy, busy with what's been going on with Helen being a bit poorly and what have you. So it's been a busy time, but yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm not doing too bad, mate. Just plodding on as you do. How are you? Are you keeping the economy going and keeping the carriage job going at the same time? Yeah, yeah. Well, if, for listeners who don't know, Ellen broke her leg a few weeks ago. Well, it'll be four weeks on this weekend. So, yeah, she's struggling to get about. She's seen a lot of pain at the moment and on all sorts of painkillers and just waiting for the hospital to make a decision on whether she needs an operation. So, it's difficult. You can't get about, but we're getting get there. I've just My days are a bit longer because I've got to do a bit more. <laughs> but, yeah, we're, we're all right. We're doing okay. We're not doing this. There's always someone worse off than you, isn't there? So, so yeah, we're, I'm not in any pain, but she's uh, in agony. <laughs> but we're, we're, getting, we're getting there, mate. I've been enjoying the World Cup when I've seen bits and bobs of it. So, uh, keeping abreast of the of the rugby league and that. So, uh, so yeah, other than that, we're all good, mate. How's yourself? Yeah, talk about long days. Give me daughter's sleep patterns are all over the window. Paul, go to bed. She's got the weird. She goes to sleep at seven, wakes up at midnight, and then it's a battle to get back, get Pat to sleep, and it's like six o'clock in the morning. She's got to bed, then he's having to go to work. Then about eight, it's taking it, taking its toll. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? But, you know, hopefully, you know, she'll uh, she'll grab it. Yeah, these things are sent to trials, mate, aren't they? It's, it. uh, it's difficult with kids and and, and stuff. But like I've learned that like since Ellen's been been sort of injured and that you've got to do a bit more haven't you and uh, I've had to pick him up and do all that on top of your job as well it's hard and you forget how much your wife does don't you so uh, oh. so yeah we, we, we get there though don't we mate we get there we do we do that's it like I said we, behind every strong man is a strong woman that's right that's, that's what right. they say and you have to push yours stronger than the man as well <laughs> <laughs> so yeah lots to go at because obviously we've not done a podcast for a, for a couple of weeks but to start the show just for a change, I've got a game yeah. to play okay. uh, with you. So you've got two options, two games, either two games. One game's called uh, Name That Bench or Play Your Squad Right. Right, so I've got two games, uh, Paul, for you to, to, to choose between. Um, so one's called Name That Squad Right and the other one is called Name The Bench. So which game would you like to play? I don't know. Do the squad one. Squad one. Okay, name your squad right. Okay, so remember play your cards right with Bruce Forsyth. Yeah, yeah. So it's that concept. I will give you a player name and the squad number, and you have to decide whether the next player squad number is higher or lower than the current squad member. And we'll go through. Okay. You've got ten. You're allowed to change one if you're uh, if you're stuck. Alright, okay. I'm Ready? not very good with numbers, but yeah, go on. Okay, so A or B? Which one do you want to go with? B. B. Okay, so we're going to start with Ashley Gibson. 2013, his squad number was number three. Played 22 games, scored seven tries for Salford. The next Salford player is Adam Sidlow. 2012, what was his squad number? Was it higher and lower than three. Higher. Higher. Do you know what it was for a bonus point? I've no idea, mate. Okay. So, <laughs> number 15. Okay. He's played 17 games, scored three tries. So, the next player is Jason Walton, 2014. 
was hit was his squad number higher or lower than fifteen? Uh, I, I, I've got to go higher. I think Jason Warren was higher. Correct. His squad number was 22. 14 games, one try. The next player is Lee Mossup. 2017 was his squad number higher or lower than 22. And you've got to switch if you want. We'll we'll have a switch there because I'm not too sure with with, with, um, with that lad. Okay. I'll switch that one. That's a tough one. The switch is uh, Gaz O'Brien. 2017, his, his number was number one. Okay. So the next one is Morgan Escalate this year. Well, I reckon it'd be higher than... Uh, oh, hang on. Yeah, because Briley was number one. I think Escalate was 30-odd or something. I can't remember. But he's higher than one anyway. Yeah, 25. 25. Played six times, scored one try. Next player is Scott Taylor. 2013, Scott Taylor. Was his had... uh, yeah. squad number higher or lower? I think did we have him on loan, Scott Taylor? Or did we sign yeah, him? Yeah, from Wigan. Yeah, and a season lock. What's the number I'm going for? Uh, uh, I'd say it was 25. 25. Oh. So is it higher or lower? Was he a squad 25? number or was he number 10? Um, I, I'm going to go lower. It was lower. Number 16. Oh. 23 appearances, five tries. Uh. The next one is Rangi Chase, 2014. Was his Ooh, squad number please. higher or lower than 16? Oh. There's something in my head that's saying Rangi Chase was like number 31 or something. But, and then I'm thinking, nah, he can't have been. He must have been like an like six, six or seven. I'm going to go higher. Higher than 16? Mm. Is that your final answer? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go on then. It's wrong. Rangy oh. Chase was six. Was he six? I, mm. I don't know. I don't know why I had me, me thought there. I just thought, nah, he's not six or seven. Because I know he's half back, but I thought, mm. nah, I think he had one of them random ones. You know where they, where they, where they sign him and they have like 30 yards? Yeah. I couldn't remember, mate. Do you know what? I couldn't, I couldn't have picked a worse game because I never remember what play, what number players are. I just, he just doesn't stick him in. Years ago, before they went to squad numbers, I could tell him all day long when yeah, they yeah. to 13. But as soon as they went to squad numbers, the only one I can never remember is that Bobby Goulding one that was one plus six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was. So, um, everyone else I can never remember. Just for fun, yeah. that last one was Ryan McGoldrick, 2013. 32. 20 appearances, three tries. Was it yeah. higher and lower than six? It's higher. Was he about 30 or 32? 23. 23. And the one you missed out, Lee Mossup, 2017. Have a guess. His number was 23. 23. So it's just above 22. Oh, I would never have got them, to be honest with you. Did really well, though. Yeah, didn't do too bad, did we? What yeah. was the other game? The Ark played the other game at the end. Okay. Mm. So, that's the, the fun the fun start to this show. Now, uh, we'll look and see what's happening in the world of Sofa of Devils. So we'll start with the big news. Paul Rowley and Kurt Haggerty have signed new three-year deals for South Red Devils. Great news, Paul. Yeah, I think that's the news we've all been uh, been looking forward to. That Rob, I mean, three-year deals are real good. You know, it's a real chunk of time, isn't it? You know, they've done a year there, and and, and that three now is going to give us that continuity. 
Um, I think we've got two really good people there and, and two people that really work together really well. I think Kurt Agate, was it Kurt who said it's a bit of a bromance between the two? But, you know, we've seen them, haven't we, after the games and spoke to them both and they do seem to really feed off each other. And, you know, I think Paul's really respectful to Kurt, the way he brings Kurt into the press conferences with him. They both work really well. They have a really good relationship. And I think they've been doing a terrific job at Salford and uh, they, they both, they're both really students of the game, aren't they? Their knowledge is really, really good on, on rugby league. And they're both down-to-earth characters as well. And I think they bring the best out in the players. So I'm delighted that they're, they're staying for three more years. Yeah, fantastic. Obviously, continuality, that's great as well. Uh, security yeah. for them, obviously, after a you know a very successful season, being rewarded from a, with a three-year contract. The players obviously know who's going to be in charge now for the next, year, uh, next three years, so they can plan accordingly as well. So that's good news on yeah. all fronts, really. He's got a 50% win ratio at the moment uh, with Salford. Won 15, lost 15, according to the Rugby League project. Yeah, well, I think everybody wants that continuity, don't they? I mean, when we had Ian Watson coaching us, I think Watto come in about 2015 season, didn't he? So he did 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 23, about five or six years, didn't he? So that's how you how you build it, really. I think he was doing that. And then obviously with Richard Marshall come in and his, his stay was only 12 months. You had a bit up and down, players leave and things like that. And you have a bit of a turnover in players. But I think once you've got a coach like Rowley and like Watto before, you, you're building something, aren't you? Um, and we had a similar sort of thing with Carl Harrison, didn't we? He was there for a number of years. Got us, he went down with us, took over halfway through a season, then obviously brought us back up with promotion, and then steadily built and consolidated and got better and better. Got us to the playoffs, and I think that's what you need. A coach needs time. I think you know, on Richard Marshall, I think he was another one who probably would have done a really good job if he was given the time, but things didn't work out for one reason or another, and he moved on. But yeah, you do need that time. It's difficult. I mean, one season's. You know, Paul Rowley did one season last year and, you know, you probably couldn't really judge him much on that season if he, if things had gone a different way. But he did fantastically well in his first season, really, you know, considering he just took over and, you know, brought players in and, and look how well he did. So give him, you know, this pre-season now and, you know, a bit more time and, you know, to consolidate things and bring more of his own players and build his own squad. Hopefully next season be even better. Yeah, I'm telling lies. One of the best sofa coaches on is called the Alan Manis, sixty-three percent win rate win, win ratio. Alan McInnes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think he was in charge of many games, or was it one season? That was it. Was it one season, right? Well, Watto was on forty-nine point one. Kevin Ashcroft on forty-five percent. So, you know, well done for for Paul Rowley, rewarded for his uh, his uh, good form. And hopefully it'll mm. be uh, something to, to kick on. And, uh, you know, here we go. Who knows what happens uh, from where we are now at the, uh, the semi-finals, Super League semi-finals, uh, the world's are rushed now. Yeah, it's going to be tough, Rob. I mean, going into next season, I think teams probably be a bit more wary of you next year. Uh, they'll be studying in the pre-season, won't they? And we probably won't be as, you know, go under the radar as much as we did. Teams will be, be watching out for, for things that we do well. But, you know, with new players coming in as well, and you know, it's it's up to you to adapt fr- from that. And other teams are strengthening that. You know, Warrington are signing players, and Hull, I don't know, Hull have signed. Okay, teams like that were behind us. They'll they'll be strengthening, won't they? So it's going to be another tough season. But I think we showed last year that we've got a lot of quality in that that, that side. And the 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 main thing is we've we've hung on to a lot of it. You know, one or two players have left, but the the main spine of the team. Is going to be going to be there again next season, isn't it? So that that's that's the good thing. Uh, other news: we have now a link up with Red Star Belgrade, successful club, uh, Serbian, kind of the same name as a famous football 
a club. I think they're the champions of their division last season. Uh, so it's great. We've got this link up, obviously, bigger pool of talent to choose from. Yeah, it's exciting. I saw, um, I was reading a bit on them and uh, we brought like a shirt out as well, haven't they? I saw. Yep. And um, yeah, it, that's exciting. I mean, Red Star, Belgrade, the football team are, are world famous, aren't they? And, uh, you know, that, that could be a great link up because when you think about it, that sort of part of, is it it's Europe, isn't it, that I think, Belgrade, is it? Yeah, like the Iron Curtain sort of part of the world, isn't it? Mm. But there's an awful lot of people that live over there, isn't there? And, um, you know, a lot of um, pool of players and, and talent. And, you know, when you think about people who come from that neck of the woods, I mean, without being stereotypical, like a lot of them are, are big lads, aren't they? A lot of those those guys and that. So, uh, certainly like Russians and, and, and what have you. So, um, from from that sort of side of the East anyway. So, uh, it could be some big athletes over there for us to, uh, to have picks on. But, I think just to get them involved and, and let them know about Salford's a good thing as well, Rob. You know, uh, for it to, to spread our name like we, we've done with other clubs and the Ghana project and things like that. I think it's getting our name across the world, isn't it? And uh, you know, if these people from other countries, Salford can be their their sort of second team, that's good for us. I mean, you think about it. That's how Manchester United sort of sort of went, didn't they? They, they became global, didn't they? And, you know, you see Manchester United shirts all over the world. Would it be great in sort of 10, 15 years' time if you've seen Salford rugby league shirts all over Europe and all over the world? Yeah, like I say, we've got links in Ghana, we've got links in Australia, we've got links in America. So having these uh, sort of arms that reach out to, to different clubs around the world, you can obviously gain sort of players off them maybe or experiences how they do things. And it's it's great, I think. I think it's a great thing the club are doing. Obviously, we've also got our sort of reserves as well. So we've got sort of domestic uh, links as well, which is great. And I think it's, you know, really good. That the club are trying to build that with you know what's to come with the uh, the IMF possible uh, scenario kicking in. It's good to have uh, links uh, around the world and, and be able to sell that to, to 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 people who want to invest. Yeah, I think it's good to have your irons in the fire, Rob. I mean, like you said, with with what's coming up with with, with new things in the sport and. It's best to have these things in place than to not have them in place. I think it's great. I think it's great that you can help out and sort of pass on your ideas to, to, to in this case, Red Star Belgrade, and, and they can sort of pass on ours. If we can help them, they can help us. I think that they're sort of our allies, if you like. So I think it's a really good idea, really good initiative as well. And it spreads the gospel of rugby league. I mean, you look at the World Cup now and you see some of the teams that are involved in that. I mean, some people might say, wow, I didn't think you know, Italy were famous for rugby league. Well, they're not, but they're spreading the game there and that's that's good to see. Same with Jamaica as well. What a good story they've been. So the more people that are playing the sport, I think it's, it's better for the game in general. Yeah. Other big news, our ladies have been promoted to Super League 2 after Alton didn't take up their opportunity to move into Super League. A fantastic uh, moment for the ladies, obviously, after a great season, uh, beating the final, uh, but just rewards for me after you know a fairy tale season that they're able now to to move up to Super League Two and and compete with uh, with the elite. Yeah, d- dead right, great story, and um, and now it's going to be a, a big test. But that that's what the ladies wanted. Done great this season, as you said, first season. I always harp back to that Swinton game. I mean, who would have thought after that eighty minutes had finished, the story would have gone to where it went? All right, they didn't win the the, the, the grand final, but they won the League Cup. Had a terrific run. You know, won an awful lot of games. Didn't lose many at all, did they? So very, very consistent. And now they're getting the chance to to move up the ladder with promotion and and to challenge. You know what that that next level, and that's what rugby league and sport is all about. You know, challenging yourself and moving on, trying to be better and better. So uh, so next season they're going to get another big test, and I'm sure it's one they're going to look forward to. 
it's going to be tougher, but obviously after a year in the championship, they'll know what they need to do to, to go yeah. to that next level. Uh, Alton, uh, Warrington, Lunas, um, Oral, you know, they, they, they were some good teams they faced that, that, that year and they know that playing in Super League is going to be, a, they're going to have to play at that level every week now, which, which is exciting for everybody, really. The teams in the division are Barrow, Bradford, Castleford, Featherstone, uh, Lee and us. So there's a, a nice mix of teams there as well for Chris, B, Chris Bates' ladies uh, to, to take on. What's the lead? Is that Lee Leopard's yeah, ladies? Yeah. Have they took over from, is it Lee East? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, the, there's a big challenge there now for them. And it's going to be exciting, isn't it? You're playing at the top the top rank of the of the sport now, aren't you? And, and I think I said this to you on Salford Radio last week. They might get that little bit more media coverage now because League Express tends to cover the, the ladies' Super League, doesn't it? So the, the names will be in the limelight a little bit more. And uh, and that, that's that's all well and good. That's that's what the ladies wanted. And, you know, it's great to see them progress. After one season to be up there now, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's testimony to the hard work that they've all done. Yeah, there is uh, ladies' trials being held on the 6th of November. Opportunity Club gives opportunity, obviously. There's let me ladies listening to this or... or you know, out there who get that information, who want to test themselves at Super League level and at Salford, you'll have that opportunity to play if you're, you know, good enough to Opportunity knock, Rob, yeah. It should oh. be a teleprogram, that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think so, yeah. Um, I don't know how many lady listeners that we have. I'm sure we've got a few, haven't we? So, uh, so yeah, if you're listening and you, and you meet the categories or, or whatever, the criteria, get yourself down and get yourself involved because I think... I don't I don't know how many ladies from last season it was their first season how Louise Fellingham had played before hadn't she uh, rugby league before but there's probably a few of the ladies who'd, who'd, who'd not played before it was their first season and they'll probably better tell you how good the experience was I mean we saw them didn't we after the matches and, and spoke to them and you see now how, what a great team spirit they had and I think you know not just the rugby league side of it the social side of it they, they've made some real good friends haven't they and you know some some friendships that last a lifetime there. So um, you know if you can get involved in it, I think you know it's a, it's a real good opportunity. Yeah, I think it's a seventy thirty split, male and film, female of our listeners. Went up when the ladies female? Uh, appeared. It went from something like eight to sort of ninety ten percent. So that we have a rising lady listenership, which is great. It's our face for radio. Isn't it, I think. <laughs> so yeah, so if you obviously want to get involved in them trials, contact the club. Uh, and they will uh, they will organise that. There's also trials for the reserves as well, uh, which is which is great. Obviously, they're looking uh, for players after a successful uh, seventh place finish last season. Yeah, so that once again, there's some criteria for it, isn't there? You know, to 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 join in that. But you know, if you have played at a level before, you know that sort of amateur stuff, and you're an ambitious amateur player or whatever. I mean. Have a look at that and, and, and look into it. You know, if if you if you're playing well and, you, and you're good enough, you could have a real good opportunity there to, to play for the reserves, and it's it's a good standard, isn't it as well? And you know, we saw look at how well the reserves did in that Warrington game. Some of those lads that came through and played, um, they were tremendous, weren't they? they? Did a great job, and I'm sure they'll be pushing hard again this season to to get an opportunity to come and play in, in Super League. So um, you know that that door is there. You've just got to break it down, haven't you? So um, so yeah, let's hope we see some more of that this season and some more progression. Yeah, too late for me. Obviously, Langwith the Reds, two thousand six, two thousand and eight, the glory days. I wasn't much cop then, to be fair. So I don't think I'd be much uh, much cop now. Really? No, I've never been much good at rugby. I played as a kid, but um, 
till I was about 11. But then after that, nothing really. I was never any good at football. I used to be a bit of a goalkeeper on the quiet, but no, nothing much. Me, me boxing's like, I wouldn't say it's on the way out yet, but you know, I don't think I've got long left at that. But that's yeah. what I'm clinging on to at the moment. Parky peaked at a junior, so he'd be out. So, yeah. but there is better players out there who want to yeah, sure try is. their arm. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, the PDRL and the uh, LDRL uh, teams looking for players as well. Obviously, you know, that two uh, successful teams for us last season. Um, obviously, you know, players who want to get involved in that, you know, contact the club and they will uh, they will point in the right direction too. Yeah, certainly. I mean, they've done a tremendous job as well. I mean, how many times do we report on the podcast about the the rugby festivals that they've been to and everybody everybody absolutely loved it. I mean, Magic Weekend it was great as well, wasn't it, for them? So if you can get involved in that, whether it's playing or volunteering, I think you know it's a, a very rewarding part of, of rugby league. Yeah, uh, the Salt Red Devils Foundation Impact Report uh, was released as well about the great things that the foundation do in the community. The highlights of the report uh, was uh, 40,000 participants in the projects and courses and activities run uh, by the foundation. They delivered over 2,000 items to vulnerable people during the pandemic. Uh, 250 people were involved in the Rising Star campaign. 6,000 school children engaged and over half were offered uh, tickets and they'll so the links to the amateur clubs help to grow the games. So it's great things that the foundation are doing. And obviously, if you want to read that report, you can find it on their socials. Fantastic uh, sort of read. It's really great what they do. The the foundation has been a massive vehicle, I think, for Salford over the last number of years, really, haven't they? And a lot of that work goes unsung, really, doesn't it? And we don't hear about, but I think what they do in the community, I think, is, is priceless. Absolutely priceless for the, for the future of the club, really, and getting people involved, getting youngsters involved, and, and and keeping our club alive. So, I think that that work is, yeah, perhaps it does go a bit unnoticed, and perhaps it's not appreciated as much as it should be, or or gets as much publicity as it should do. But it's it's absolutely priceless the work that the foundation do, and long may it continue. Yeah, the foundation are running a mental health uh, programs for people in the community if you obviously for people in the workplace or in schools or in clubs if you want to contact joanne.shepherd at salfordcc.ac.uk she's in charge of that i think it's great obviously they're reaching out to the community and giving that valuable assistance for people yeah definitely as i said there the the, the work it, it's unsung stuff i mean that sort of stuff the, you know the volunteering people taking time out and it's it's stuff that's real close to home isn't it like like, like you just mentioned there i mean sometimes you, you you need things like that don't you need somebody to talk to or whatever so i think it's great what they do and um, you know just hats off to everybody who volunteers and helps out doing it because it, without them it, you wouldn't have that foundation but they do a terrific terrific job yeah, uh, there's also an exhibition uh, of Salford's history and rugby league's mm. history being held at the AJ Bell. Uh, that's a great thing. Obviously, the history of Salford Devils, there's a, a rich history, uh, which is well worth uh, looking into. Certainly is. I've not managed to to get down to that myself yet. Um, there's not enough hours in the day for me at the moment, <laughs> to be honest, but I'd, I'd like to. Um, I believe, you know, from what I've seen and what I've heard, it, it sounds great. And like you said, we've had a tr- tremendous history. I mean, I know 
have we still got the museum at the ground? Yeah, it's I mean, in there, that, I think. I mean, if, if you if you get to go and see that, some of the stuff that's in there is absolutely tremendous. And I know my dad was telling me he got to see Mike Kuman a couple of weeks ago, who's, who's um, not so good at the moment, but he, he saw Mike and um, he was going through some of his scrapbooks again. And, you know, that sort of memorabilia and that sort of stuff, it, it's great to see, you know, and it's, you know, old sort of stuff and, and, and read about the history of the club and you forget things sometimes. I mean, we don't always get the publicity we deserve, but, you know, Salford has been a, a tremendous club. You, you think about the 30s team, the Diablos Rouge, Lance Todd, what he did for Salford. And then, you know, the, the 90, late 60s with the Snape era and playing with the floodlights at Salford. Salford has been a real trendsetter, haven't we, in, in the sport and that sort of champagne team we had in the 70s. And yeah, we've been in the doldrums, haven't we, for a few years and then come back this last few years and got some major finals. So there's a, there's a rich history there and an up and down sort of roller coaster as well. But some of the players that we've had as well, some terrific players, international players. And I saw some old footage of the 1972 World Cup the other day and that's a Paul Charlton on there, Colin Dixon and and uh, some of the other guys that were in that side that won the World Cup all those years ago. So, uh, so yeah, we, we're a club with a fantastic history. Yeah, it's half-term now as well, so bring your kids. Very educational. Uh, if you want to go down, Monday and Tuesday, 4 till 7. Wednesday, 11 to, till 2. Uh, Thursday, 11 till 2. And Friday, by appointment. So, it'll be great uh, if uh, you can all get down there and, and look at that. There's also an electronic newsletter set up by the club to give uh, people news about what's going on. I think it's great. Obviously, the club engaging with the fans, uh, which is what we need. Not everyone's on social media. So this uh, newsletter being pinged out to email uh, to emails, good, just good stuff. Yeah, and just one thing on that. I got my, uh, I was signed up for that and I got an email off the club the other day saying you had to resend them your email to resubscribe to it. So if you've, just check your junk and that. Make sure you've 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 resent them your details. I think they sort of subscribe you for this. Have you had that email, Rob? I got I got that a, a letter. I got a newsletter. Right. Well, I got one just saying just confirm your email address so you carry on getting the emails oh. for next season. It has all the supporters trust bits and bobs on it. Yeah. Well, I got an email saying to put my email address back into them, like a subscribe thing. It was just to so I could keep getting them in, in next season for 2023. So, so you might have to do that as well if um, if you've got like an email off the club. I might be talking rubbish, but I, I got one, so I just sent it back to them because I, I like those newsletters. Brilliant. Uh, other news, the foundation uh, have been awarded a grant to promote wheelchair rugby in Salford. Obviously, that's the team we haven't got yet, but it's looking like it could be on the way. Yeah, and I, I watched some of the wheelchair rugby. I'd never seen it before. And there was a, I can't know what I was doing the other week. I just literally had five. I don't get a lot of spare time, as I said, but I had a <laughs> spare five minutes and I flicked the telly on and it was a grand final between Halifax and Leeds. And I tell you what, I'd never thought I'd enjoy it. I thought, sure about that wheelchair rugby but I sat there watching I was absolutely fascinated by it, the mm. speed of it and the, the way they play the game so I'm setting each other up for like short passes and then flying through in the wheelchair I thought it was absolutely amazing so I couldn't set my eyes off it so I'm looking forward to watching the, the World Cup in it now as well it's it's absolutely ferocious yeah. you, know, the, the, you know really 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 passionate but skillful as well so um, so yeah I think that'd be great if we could get um, a wheelchair team as well and you know get, get even more people involved I think it'd be absolutely tremendous I I'd love to watch a bit of that. Yeah, brutal. That's why they don't care. They just go head first straight in. No messing. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really entertaining. If, you, if you've not watched watch any of it, watch some of this World Cup because I think you really enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, other news, let's talk about signings. Start mm. with uh, Andrew Dixon. Two-year deal, 32 years old. Previously played with, I think it's 2013, I think it was. Mm. Good player. 
uh, for us. Works hard, been around the block, um, but I'm sure he'll have a lot to ask. What? Yeah, I can. I think he played in grand final for St. Helens a year before, was it 2012 mm-hmm. or 2011, around that time. Anyway, because I remember Saints had two back rowers, Matty Ashurst and Andrew Dixon, and they both ended up coming to Salford. And, and, and I thought they were both a pair of quality players. I know when Matty Ashurst left and went to Wakefield, he was always a good player and always had a good game against us, terrific engine. And I think Andrew Dixon's a very similar sort of player. Um, real good defender, real hard worker. Probably not the biggest bloke in the world, but he's one of those that's got a fantastic engine and does loads and loads of work. A bit like an Harrison Hansen sort of player, a guy who'll just tackle and tackle and work hard. I suppose like uh, similar to Elijah Taylor, that sort of you know guy who's just just fit, just really really fit and, uh, and does all all the work. So I was pleased when I saw that signing. I know he's thirty two now, but I, I think if you asked any coach where he's played before, and I know he's been over at Toronto, and I think he's played at Toulouse as well. He seems like one of those guys, Touchwood, that doesn't get a lot of injuries. You get an awful lot out of him. Um, and he, he, he's, he's a worker. So you can never have enough of them in your squad. So good signing for me. Yeah. The other signing, Adam Sidlow, he signed a two-year deal. Played with us with played with us uh, between, between 2008 and 2012. Since playing for us, we played for Bradford, played for Toronto. Captain Lee, in his interview yeah. with the club, he did say there's unfinished business. Uh, at Salford, so uh, it seems to me like he wants to sort of uh, rewrite history. Well, I can remember when he left Salford, I think he, he went to Bradford, I think, and then sort of shortly after that, Bradford had a bit of a sort of downward fall, didn't they, really, and fell from grace, and perhaps it wasn't the, a bit of a sideways move for Adam, really, because I didn't think he filled, fulfilled his potential at Salford. He was coming through and looking good. He's a big lad. He's about six foot five, isn't he? Something like that. He's a tall lad and a big built lad, and yeah, I don't think we saw the best of him. So, mm. yeah, I think he's still got that that unfinished business. And one thing I will say, what's annoyed me recently, is the amount of people on social media who are bagging these players off, bagging the new signs off. And, and what I'd say to him is, once a player comes and signs for your club and signs on that dotted line, get behind him because he's part of your family now. Don't be slagging the guy off. He's one of us. They're both one of us now. They're playing for our club. So let's get behind him and see what they can do. All right, if, they, if they're absolutely terrible... Then yeah, you make your feelings known. But when a guy's not played a game for you, it's you know give the lads a chance because you look at the signings Paul Rowley made last year. I, I saw people sort of scoffing when we signed Alex Gerrard and one or two others. And you know you look at what a great job they did. I mean, if you go back four to five years when we signed Chris Well and people were up in arms saying what we signed him for, and he's one of the best centres we've had in the last decade. So I think you've just got to judge Paul Rowley because he probably knows an awful lot more than what us supporters know. Mm. Adam Sidlow was a kind of player that. I wanted someone to give him a dig in the first 20 minutes just mm-hmm. to wind him up because for the next sort of 40 minutes after that, he'd run around like the Incredible Hulk. But I think T's got wise to that. So they didn't they stopped digging him, uh, which is, yeah. you know, which is a, you know, a thing. But uh, where is late mid 30s, he's a different player now and he's experienced. He captained Lee. So he's, he's not, it's Captain Lee is, is a, is, is a, you means you're a good player for me. So, yeah. like you said, Paul, you give him opportunity. <coughs> he, he's openly come out and said, look, I've, I've got unfinished business here at Salford and I'm, I'm going to show you what I'm all about and you'll fair play to him. If he's going to come to Salford with the right attitude and work his socks off, same with Andrew Dixon, I'm all for it. What we want is players who are going to buy into the, the club and, and, you know, and sweat blood and tears for the club. That's what you want. Uh, at the end of the day, 
with all the respect in the world, Adam Sidlow isn't going to come to Salford and, and be a match winner for us. He's not going to be a Brodie Croft because he's not that sort of player. We're not signing him for that. We're signing him to, to come in the pack and do a job. And I think sometimes people forget that. They'll, they'll see signing and go, oh, what have we signing him for? He's no, no Croft, he's no Hastings, he's no Sneed, whatever. But every club needs blokes who are going to do the dirty stuff. And Adam Sidlow and... and um, and Dixon, Andrew Dixon are those sort of players. So you need those guys in your squad. And I think if you ask Paul Rowley, he'd probably tell you the good people as well and the blokes that are going to listen and, and blokes that are going to work hard, do stuff off the pitch as well, you know, in the community. That's why he signed them. So I think I think the, both players will surprise us. And yeah, do well. and, and I suspect they probably won't play every week. They'll just fill in and, and drop in and drop out, which is what you need in a, in a squad. Uh, you have your obviously strongest seventeen, but what you need is your your squad players to be of, of a of a certain quality to come in and the quality not to drop. And I think these two lads have that. You say that though sometimes you look at players and think, yeah, it'd be a squad player. In I think Dion Cross is a mm. is a fine example. Last season, <clears throat> excuse me, I think a lot of people thought, oh, he won't get many games at Salford, and then he plays himself in, plays really well in a couple of friendly games, and before you know it. He's first on the team sheet every week and gets picked for the England Knights. So I think sometimes it's the opp- like you said, opportunity. If you get an opportunity and you play well, you're going to be in the team, aren't you? So, so yeah, and I think I think I think Paul Rowley will, will judge that on on performances, won't it? Be performance based. If they're playing well, they'll, they'll be in the side, and that is up to other players in the team. You know, you got Oliver Partington in there, who's probably at a different stage of his career as Adam mm-hmm. Sidlow, but that's up to him to play well, and perhaps Adam can teach him a few things he's learned on the way. So. I think it bodes well. I think they're good signings. Yeah. Uh, Hull KR Magic Weekend, 3rd of June, one thirty kickoff. Be a good game, that both teams. You know, have some good players. It'll be a good uh, contest. He was looking at the bookies' odds the other day for that. They put odds out for it. They've got an eight-point start, Hull KR. We're, we're red-hot favourites for that game. So, no balls that have been kicked. So, uh, <clears throat> I'm glad we're on first. I know a lot of people aren't fond of the early kickoff, but... I prefer it to be honest with you. I like to, to see us play first, and then uh, and yeah, I don't know how many more of these magic weekends we're going to get now with the the chain proposed changes and and um, you know the game props being a bit up in the air and new things are going to be happening. So um, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed going to Newcastle. So uh, so yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, talking about the big changes, the IMF recon- reconstructed uh, our game. You know, interesting what's going to happen. Uh, Group A teams will not be relegated. Group B and Group C teams can be relegated, uh, so there is a promotion relegation thing going on. But what do you make of that? Obviously, it's going to be different. Doesn't seem like a level playing field, does it? If if you've got teams that can be relegated and teams that can't, I suppose if you're say Ellen's and you're category A, you've got a great academy, get decent gates, you've got a nice ground. <clears throat> Excuse me, if you finish bottom. You shouldn't be finishing bottom because you've got all the resources. So mm. if you finish bottom, you deserve, you deserve to be relegated. So I don't know. I think time will tell on that one. I've seen there's been a lot of opinions about it. Rightly so. It's big changes in the game, isn't it? So um, I think there's pros and cons to everything. If you if you look at stuff, you could have an argument and do a prime minister's question time on it all night, couldn't you? And, and find faults and all sorts wrong with it, but. I think at the end of the day, people like us have got no say in it. You've just got to go along with it and 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 just suck it and see now and see what happens. And hopefully, Salford will get a good a good category. Like we were talking about before, we've got a pretty good stadium. We we we're filling boxes. We 
not that it's not that it is box ticking. I think we're doing things for the right reason. We've got a ladies team for the right reason. We've 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 got the the learning disability team. We've got a, a pathway now, and we're doing all this not to tick boxes, but to make our club better. So I'm positive that we'll get a good a good category. It drives everyone forward, doesn't it? That's mm. it because if ever wants to be in that group A, it's when you get in that group A, what happens then? That that's the big question. But for us. Is it good for Salford? I'd, I'd say so. I, I think we're we're in a shot. We're in for an outside chance of an A, really, for our success on the field. We're a community club. We've got pathways set up. Like you said, we've got ladies teams. We've got learning disabilities teams. We've got physical disability teams. We've got uh, reserves. We've got programs going on as well in the community. I mean, isn't that what it's all about? Engaging in in your community and growing the game. So and our and our crowd has increased. I think it's twenty percent on last season. Yeah. So you know, if you're looking at them stats, you, you're going to have to put Salford in the category eh, for me. Yeah, but my worry is sort of who's in charge of of this. I mean, rugby leagues can be a bit iffy sometimes, can't it? So let's hope it's it's done fairly and, and done right. And one thing I will say though is, if we're going to get a category. A, should we call it, a Category 1 or whatever it is, mm. we need to be at the AJ Bell Stadium. I mean, I know that's a debate for another day, but I can't see you getting one if you're at Moor Lane. So, I don't know what's going on with that. I know you see people talking about investment and, and what's around the corner for the club. I don't know. I, I've not heard anything. So, I don't know where we're going to be in the next few years. But I would say we probably, if we was at Moor Lane, would we get one? I don't know. It's up in the air, isn't it? We don't really know what's going to happen. And I suppose it's just to strap yourself in and trust the people in charge of the club to, to take us in the right direction. But the IMF want big crowds, don't they? They want the TV mm. to pick yeah. up a full stadium. And at Moor Lane, 6,000 crowd and it's full. And it looks great on telly. Is it a big crowd, though? I think if we only got over 6,000, is it three times, two times in... I know what, what I'm saying is, is that a big crowd for this IMF? I mean, if you look at Leeds, they're getting 15, 16, 17,000, aren't they? And, mm. You know, but having said that, I don't think Wigan's crowds are brilliant. I don't think Salem's crowds are brilliant. I think they're, they're brilliant when they play each other, but for the rest of the season, I, <clears throat> I've not seen the, the stats and that, but the, a lot of the sides would I mean, Warrington struggled. I mean, they had a poor season, didn't they? And Hull, I think, as well. I think Old Carr, who seems to get decent gates every week, don't you? But Everybody else is much of a muchness, really, aren't they? So, um, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, <laughs> I'm sure, like of Paul King, you know, he's a good negotiator. Paul King, I, I don't, I don't see us being in any any mm. any problems. He'll get he'll get stuck in it with me. And he'll he'll get the right result for us. I think Paul, yeah, Paul will do his his utmost best to to do what's right for Salford and do his best for Salford, as will everybody else involved with the club. So. At the end of the day, whatever happens, happens. You have to just, it's case or ass or ass, as they say. You've just got to go with what happens. So you can't force things in, and we've not got this sort of bottomless amount of money that we can just, you know, go and, we're saving for a rainy day, which we can just go and get. So we've just got to, you know, do what do what we can, you know, with our resources. So, and I'm, I trust Paul and everybody else who's, who's around him to, to do the best result, but there's no doubt about that. Yeah, let's look at the World Cup now. Uh, Paul, you been watching it? Since we last spoke, not really, no, because I've been, by the time I've been getting home, I've been taking the dog out, 
doing a bit of tea, sorting the kids out, and then the games have usually been half time by then. I've usually been so tired, just been going to bed. So I've seen bits, I've watched bits on the catch up. I saw or a bit of the Wales game the other night against uh, Tonga. I thought Wales played really well. I've seen a bit of Australia. I thought Australia looked good. And I've seen the highlights of both the England games, so um, plus one or two others. Saw a bit of Fiji as well. Cook Islands was a good game. So I, I have watched them in dribs and drabs. I've not actually sat down and watched a full game all the way through yet, mm. live. <laughs> Sounds a bit like me. I've dropped in and out of them. Watched England, though. Watched the two England games in full. Thought we were very good. I thought yeah. so for representatives did, did very well. Uh, against France and obviously Callum Watkins went off with a, with a net bang uh, but he played uh, fantastic against Sam- and Samoa so I think we're doing quite well representation wise Tim Lafay scored twice again and uh, King V played well for Fiji as well when he played so I think we're doing really well when it comes to representation yeah that's right and when you look around, sometimes you see there's quite a lot of ex Salford players in the World Cup as well. That you see, oh, Ben Nakabua has been playing really well, uh, which has been good to see. So it's been, it has been interesting. It's it's been good what I've seen of it. Not for the want of trying, I'd love to watch more of the games if I can. And I've got them on catch up, so I will be getting through them all at, at some point. I have to try getting up a bit early and watching them before work, but um, but I've enjoyed it. And it's he's coming, he's uh, coming to. A good time now. You've got the, the final group games this weekend. I know England are playing at Bramall Lane in Sheffield, aren't they? Which is a, a new stadium for rugby league, really. So I'm, I hope they get a good crowd there because it's a nice ground that, um, and a big one as well. So that'll be that'll be really interesting this weekend against Greece, um, Australia in action again as well. So uh, so yeah, it's been good. It's been good to see the game spread it to different stadiums. I know there was one at Coventry, uh, the Rico. I saw I saw some of that and that looked good. Um, was it New Zealand that I think I can't, I can't remember who it was Coventry now. I think it was Australia and Australia sorry Australia Scotland sorry yeah yeah. I mean Australia won the game handsomely but um, good to see the game being spread to, to uh, different parts of the country yeah I think it's fantastic obviously a lot of talk about ticket prices and, and, and low attendances but you know what we expect Super League's what average sort of nine, ten thousand. That's what we're getting, aren't we? Around about. So it's you know it's not the end of the world for me. I think you'll get bigger crowds at the end of uh, you know the knockout stages at the end. But you know you won, you're pulling in seven, eight, nine for the group stage. Basically, a lot of these developing nations, you know, it's great they're involved, but they are blow away scorelines, some of them. So, you know, to get people sort of down there and, you know, expecting that result, but still getting sort of eight, nine thousand, it's a good result for me. Because obviously the money generated can go back into this international game, which helps these developing nations. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, like I said, Jamaica, I mean, it's been great to see them involved and, you know, they've never played in a World Cup before. So I think. You know, if you go back to the first World Cup, I can remember. I remember going to the final in '92. My dad enjoyed that, but I don't remember it. it was I think the '92 one was spread over a few years, if I remember rightly. The first real one I remember was the '95 one, and there wasn't that many teams in that, as I remember. Was there about twelve something like yeah. that? There's nowhere near as many as what they're in this one now, um, and they're a lot stronger as well. Teams are a lot stronger now. I think. I think. Pacific Island teams like Tonga and Fiji and Papua New Guinea, Cook Islands, I think they're a lot stronger than what they were then. If you look at Tonga now, they're one of the dark horses. Well, they were one of the dark horses to, to win. I've not been that impressed with them, to be honest. I think they've struggled a bit. But uh, I think England's looked really strong. Australia have looked strong. New Zealand, yeah, I'm not sure about them. They, they're flamboyant, aren't they? like to throw the ball about. But if I was a betting man, I'd probably say it's going to be Australia or England in the final mm. if things go the way. And I think that would be absolutely tremendous if it was. I think the final's at Old Trafford, is it not? Yeah. Old Trafford. 
wouldn't that be fantastic? That Australia England the final in a full house there at Old Trafford. I think that'd be absolutely brilliant. That one of the best games I've ever seen was. I think I've told you before, <clears throat> nineteen ninety seven Test Series, Ashes Test Series, Great Britain against Australia, at Old Trafford. Uh, Great Britain won it. I can't remember what score about twenty two sixteen, and it's probably one of the best games I've ever been to. The the intensity, the punch ups, oh, it was brilliant. It, it took my breath away, and I'll never forget it. And if if we get that again at Old Trafford, England Australia, the rivalry there, the history, oh wow, it'd be, be amazing. I think I watched England beat Australia. Is it Huddersfield? Paul Scorthock on under the post. Yeah, 2007, something like that. Yeah, maybe I can't remember now. I, I know we played him. I remember playing him in 2003 over in the, the, the Ashes and we lost all three games, didn't we? And they were all yeah. dead close and Australia scored in the last five minutes in all of them and the, one of those was at Wigan and Adrian Morley got sent off from the kick-off for clothesline in uh, Robbie Kearns, I think it was. But we came really close then. Um, so, 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 yeah, International Rugby League for me, Test Series... World Cup special, but Test Series are good as well. But I think with the World Cup, you've just got a bit extra, haven't you, with all the other nations involved as well. So, uh, so yeah, I think there'll be some twists and turns when we get to the uh, the quarterfinals and the knockout stage. There's still some surprise packages in there, I think, it could cause some upsets. Yeah, very, very exciting. Uh, King V and Tim Lafay have been selected for Team of the Week for their performances in the World Cup, uh, which is great. More exposure for, for us and for them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, two top players for us. I mean, King V was had a had a bit of an injury problem last season, but when he came back, he was great. And, and Tim Lafayette was really consistent for us as well, wasn't he? And probably a lot of teams have had their eye on Tim. I think he's been a real fine for us. So uh, I'm glad they've got the the selection because they deserved it. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's great. Obviously, you know, keep watching the World Cup, see if you can get down there. Also, the uh, PDRL. Uh, World Cup has, has started. A lot of uh, sulphur representation in the Welsh uh, team. Uh, Captain Ben Lewis has, and about, I think eight other uh, sulphur players involved as well. Uh, they beat New Zealand uh, 28 points to 26 in their first game, Paul. Fantastic uh, result for, for the Welsh. Yeah, great start. And, and it's great to see. It really is a festival, I believe, the World Cup, isn't it? And, uh, you know, it, it was such a shame of it getting postponed last year but I think that for me has, has made it even more special this time I think there was that more anticipation for it wasn't there and uh, you know with, with, with everything going on at the moment it's, it's great and when you think about it we've, we've got a few more weeks of it yet as well there's still plenty to come yeah, just give the, the Welsh lads a shout out. Ben Lewis, Stuart Newton <coughs> Tima Hughes, Morgan Jones Justin Martin, Latif Taborn uh, Paul Jones, Robbie Carpenter and Connor Rice. They faced England and lost, uh, I think it was yesterday. So they've got to play Australia. I think it's Friday. Um, obviously, that's the that's the big game. If they win that, then they'll have won two, won't they? So they're probably going to go through to the final then. Tough against Australia, though. I think Australia just seems to be... Be good at every sport that they they compete in, really these days, don't they? Uh, seems to be the best at everything. So good luck, good luck, and beat the Aussies. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. So uh, that's all the news, uh, Paul, uh, which is exciting. So we'll finish with another game. Okay, how's that? How's that grab you? Sounds good to me. Brilliant. So we're going to call it name that bench, right? Okay. So I've got teams from. The 90s, the 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s. And I want to so pick a, 
decade first. Nineties. Nineties. Okay, so nineteen ninety-eight, Salford played Hull on the fifteenth of March, nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, they won forty-one points to ten. Can you name the Salford players on the bench that day? Was it a Challenge Cup game that bad? It chance? was. Yeah, I remember it. Quite a final, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So uh, only the four soft players on the bench. Joe for Milo. No, I can give you three lives. So, actually, jump me to go through the team and then leave the bench. Yeah, right, go through we'll the team because I might be a bit more. Right, so Salford's team that day was Gary Broadbent fullback. Phil Cousins, Scott Naylor, Nathan McAvoy, Darren Rogers, Steve Blakely, Josh White, Andy Platt, Peter Edwards, Cliff Eccles, David Hume, David Bradbury, and Martin Crompton. So on the bench was. You said Crompton, didn't you? You said Blakely. You I'll, give you, I'll give you a clue. You've got three forwards and back. Just read the team out for us again. Okay. So the team for, for you and our listeners was. Gary Brobert, a fullback, Phil Cousins, Scott Naylor, Nathan McAvoy, Darren Rogers, Steve Blakely, Josh White, Andy Platt, Peter Edwards, Cliff Eccles, David Hume, David Bradbury, and Martin Crumpton. So, what was the bench? Three forwards, one back. Paul Farber. Paul Farber was one, yes. Um... So, you got two forwards at the back. Do you want a clue? Go on. Uh, one of them scored against Wigan in the Challenge Cup. Scott Martin. Yep. And the other two, um, one of his son plays for... The Belly Yep. And the final one was the brother of the one you said before. You're in Cine for Milo. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was. I was going to say in Cine for Milo. I didn't do too bad there. There you go. Didn't too bad. Didn't do too bad. So, be more of that. Got more lined up, exciting things like that to uh, to pass the that time. That was a good. That was, I enjoyed. That was a good game. That yeah, I enjoyed that. I remember that. I remember that match actually against Hull. It was at the Willows, forty-one ten. Yeah, we absolutely panned them. I think we played um, witnessed around before away from home. We won there about forty odd six. So uh, so yeah, good days until we got to Sheffield in the blooming semi-final. So, yeah. Uh, but it was funny because I th- I'm sure we beat Hull in the league game. It was very close to the league game. I think it was about 12-4 or something like that. I remember that being a really tight game. But yeah, that um, that going back to that, I think Kyle Harrison played for Hull that day, you know, if I uh, remember rightly. I think he played for Hull. Not Did counts him? this. Did you not? Oh, right, Tim, okay. Tim Leatham, David Stevenson, Jason Temu, Simon Booth, Steve Craven and Logan Campbell. Is that their pack, right? Who oh. was his scrum half from Glenn Tomlinson? Yes. He's from out. He played at Bradford, didn't he? Yeah, I do remember that game. I do remember the game. It Alan Hunt game. and Mark Johnson played in the, the backs for them as well. Yeah, Mark Johnson. Remember Mark at Salford? Yeah, South African winger. Mm-hmm. He had a belting game against Leeds, I think, 99 season. We stormed back and lost 38-30 at the Willows. Yeah, yeah. He had a good game that day. It was, it was a Wednesday night, that. I remember that. It sticks in my mind, that game. And then obviously Unty came to us, didn't he, as well, and uh, 
did a good job helping us get promoted. Blimey, you took me back there to the yeah, 90s. Yeah. That's <laughs> why I picked the 90s. I remember the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, try scorers for Salford were two for McAvoy, two for Josh White, one for Gary Broadbent, one for Paul Farber, one for Scott Naylor. Steve Blake kicked four goals, Josh White kicked two goals, and Steve Blakely kicked a field goal. Josh White, I mean, he, I remember him playing, I think London finished second top in 97, didn't they? Mm. They were really, really good, and Josh White was like a linchpin for them. And uh, when they come into Salford, I remember saying to my dad, I thought, we're really going to go well this season because we finished sixth the year before. I, I, I said, I think you can, I can see us getting in top three with that Josh White now. And for, for some reason, it just didn't seem to work. I mean, I know we signed Martin Crompton as well, didn't we? And it's like, did we need them both in the in the team? I, I don't know whether, whether Andy Gregory had made a bit of a mistake there, but for one reason or other, it didn't really work for Josh White. He, no. he did all right, but wasn't as good as what I expected him to be, really, which yeah. is a shame. He played Crompton at loose forward, didn't he? Yeah. Which is weird. I didn't think he was big enough. Yeah. No. I didn't think he, well, he, he he wasn't big enough in that semi-final because um, I think one of the one of the important tries he went through, Martin Crompton, so uh, it might have been the Dale Lawton try, so never mind. He was a good player, Crompton, but wasn't a loose forward for me. No. So, that's the end of this uh, podcast, Paul. Another great show. A bit different. Obviously, we've been um, off for a couple of weeks. But yeah. To get back in the old routine. I like talking about the past as well, <laughs> as you can tell. No, I've enjoyed it this week. It's been good to, to, to get back on, mate. It's been good. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Big thanks for tuning in. Big thanks to all the people who have donated for, through the, the Kofi uh, to help us uh, pay for the programmes and the equipment to keep this uh, podcast going. Uh, we can't thank you enough for your support, especially in the off-season. It means so much, doesn't it, Paul? Yeah, I could do with a coffee now to keep me awake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it does. It's uh, the listeners of our our show are um, a very very loyal listener, aren't they? And that, I mean, you see a few of them at the game, don't you? Now, and they seem to let on to us. And towards the back end of the season, a few people come up to me. I think it was at the Huddersfield game saying they'd enjoyed the podcast. And I was with my daughter, and it's really nice that people come out and say, "You don't know what to say to you." Sometimes, you go, oh yeah, great. It's really nice here, but yeah, it's very humbling when mm-hmm. someone likes what you do. I think it's great because, I mean, I know you put a lot of hard work into it as well, mate, and uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that people don't see, so yeah, it's uh, the listeners are, are very good. Yeah, I just think it's mad that everyone takes time out just to listen to us talk about mm. talk about Salford, and it blows my mind that people all over the world do that as well. Yeah, I think it, it's mad. it does with me. It does with me, and it, I I think we've got quite a bit of a bond with our listeners now, haven't we? I think, you know, as I said, I think they're they're loyal people, aren't they, who listen every week. It's not just people who dip in one week and that. I think people do tend to listen every week. And, you know, it's it's great. I think it's been... uh, I've loved doing the podcast since since you first invited me to come on. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's, it's great. It really is. Yeah, so a uh, big thanks for tuning in. Don't forget you can donate but on the for our social media if you want to. Uh, it would be much appreciated. Uh, big thanks for tuning in this week's uh, Devon the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkinson. You can find us on Facebook, Devon the Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITD SRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify, and YouTube. See you soon.